What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes... A little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to the Jersey Ghouls Valentine's Special. I'm your host, Marissa. See, I can't sound sexy. You can. I just sound like a really creepy old lady. I don't know that we can call it a Valentine's episode. It is. Maybe it's more like the Valloween. It's like Valadote. It's Valentine's. It's Valentine's. (laughs) Because this episode is all about... Gentlemen that you don't want to Oh date. my gosh. These Indeed. are the red flags. We're going to talk about two films we haven't covered yet. Maniac and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. The 1980 Maniac. Important, not, yeah. Not the remake. Correct, correct. And I don't think there's any remakes of Henry, thank God. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so these are definitely two men, three men you don't want anything to do with. No. Hard no. Run the other way. You're in danger. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's important at this time of year, when everybody's looking for love, right. to remember not to look for love in all the wrong places. No. Yeah. no. Like New York City in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, please uh, don't hitchhike. Nope. Uh, don't be a prostitute. Don't let men claiming to be exterminators into your house. So true. Don't, don't do that. No. no, no. And if you're a really adorable, maybe lesbian photographer and a really creepy guy <laughs> hits on you... Red flags. Yeah, red flags. Yeah, red flags. Just trust that instinct, girl. Yeah. Um, but we're going to dive into all that because this is this episode's all about teaching you what you don't want in a Valentine's Day date, and that's just what we do here. That's another service. There you go. Free of charge. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. You're welcome, world. All right, so let's start with Maniac from 1980, shall we? We'll go in chronological order. This one's directed by William Lustig, and interestingly, although it stars Joe Spinella, who is probably most famous for the Godfather movies, mm-hmm. um, he actually created the character and co-wrote the story for this film. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was very emotionally attached to this character. And what's funny is that everybody talks about he is like the nicest human being in real life. When you talk to the the, the characters and the actors from the film, they all were like, it's he's adorable. That, that is always one of my favorite things. The same thing I've heard about, um, oh, what's his name? Chop Top from... Bill Mosley. Yeah. A like peach. Bill Mosley is supposed yep. to be so nice. Sid Haig mm-hmm. was all, I mean, pictures Sid of Haig him. Sid Haig was really nice. Pictures of him, like, kissing babies. Like, it's, oh, it's, always, it's right. always so funny to see these people who are 
iconically these wretched characters. Yeah. And they're sweet baby angels in real life. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It makes me feel warmer somehow. I'm going to say that neither of these movies are for me. I'm going to say that these were hard watches that I actually dreaded going into. You know, I'm a big wuss. Yeah. And I like, you know I like my horror with a little meat on the old bones. This isn't meat on the bones to me. This is just bones. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, it's just so gratuitously violent, so snuff feel and like listen i get it it was 1980s grindhousey films right that was the whole point they were and interestingly maniac didn't have they didn't have permits for most of the shots in new york city so this film was very much done gorilla style and it was very much done on the fly even tom savini's head explosion they didn't have a permit to be shooting there so it was like a we gotta do this real fast (laughs) yeah which makes it i mean because the part where he jumps onto the car was so haunting like there are some truly haunting haunting scenes in this film and i liked this one more than henry but i didn't love it and i'm gonna get into why after i i I feel the same way i i liked maniac a lot i'm surprised because i so this is the first time i'm seeing the 1980s Maniac. Yeah, because you watched the remake. I've seen the remake with Elijah Wood. And while it is similar, it's so different. Because the big... um, What do I want to call it? The big... The draw, the... The, the, the stylistic choice of mm-hmm. the remake is that the entire movie is shot from Elijah Wood's POV. Like, your POV of the movie is that of... Interesting. The maniac. Okay. And you only ever see Elijah Wood in reflection. Interesting. Um, so I, I like that choice. I did really I like that choice. But I think I... I don't know which one I like better because they are so different. Um, but I did like this one because it just seemed... Uh, between this one and Henry. First of all, the blanket statement of... When the villain and the world that it is set in is our real life, that makes it super scary. Like, just inherently. Like, these are regular-ass human beings. This is not a supernatural world. There is no magical realism. This is New York City and Chicago in the 80s. Yeah, which were both terrifying places in the 80s. So it does make it inherently scarier just to know that this is real life. Um, especially with Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer being based on Henry, Henry Lee Lucas. Right. So, and I think that's part of yeah. the issue I take with this, and I'm going to own that it's it's probably hypocritical of me because I am a fan of things like Last Podcast and My Favorite Murder. I do kind of have a weird obsession with serial killers, but I like my serial killer fiction to have a sprinkle of like you said, like that magical realism, a little bit of distance from reality. Like I like Silence of the Lambs because while it is loosely based on real people, it's still fictionalized. I like Maniac because it does. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't like this film, and I'll, I'll dive into why. I thought this was stylistically and thematically a little more interesting than Henry. Henry just made me want to take a shower, and like mm-hmm. my notes were just ew, yuck, ew, over and over again. Yeah. And I, I guess by design, but I, you know, there's a, to me like these video now, and this wasn't a official video nasty it was banned in uh across the pond in 1981 and again in 1998 it was released with lots of cuts in order for them to be able to release it as an r but still technically not a video nasty and what what bothers me about it though it as opposed to other video nasties that are in my opinion fun kind of grindhousey 
is that realism? Is that parallel to real life? Like we really do need to stop celebrating serial killers, making them sexy, like no more Zac Efron and Evan Peters, no more top 20 Netflix, because we, we there's something wrong with us when we are almost kind of glamorizing these people. I hate that there are like action figures of serial killers. And I say this as someone who has a ton of action figures of fictional, like, <laughs> fictional, fictional characters. characters. Like, I can have a Michael Myers doll and not feel like a jerk, an action figure, because he's not real. Yeah. Like, he's a he's a monster for all intents and purposes. Uh, none of the, you know, even Ghostface, it's like Ghostface has gotten almost supernatural throughout its powers of all the mythology. Like, I don't, I don't idolize villains in horror movies at all. I think the characters themselves are interesting, especially like Freddy Krueger's and stuff like that. But I'm not going to have a Jeffrey Dahmer doll. I'm not going to have a Henry Lee Lucas doll. I think there's something really not okay with yeah. celebrating real life killers. I'm fascinated by them. I've studied them my whole life. I wanted to go into criminal profiling, as you know, but can we please stop celebrating these people? It's so cringy and it makes me just want to take a shower. Yeah, the the benefit I think that Maniac had over Henry also, I mean, I said that this is very real world based, but when you've got Tom Savini doing the special effects, there is a little bit of fun to it. Like the head explosion was so fun. good. Absolutely. It the blood was, was so good. So Tom Savini. You know, it really was. And I liked all I liked all of the kills. I think because this one wasn't based in real like based on a real life person, it just somehow made it a little fun. You know what I mean? Like the way that he That's fair. You yeah. Know, and he, he played it scal- fun. Yeah, like he would scalp them, uh, scalp the ladies and put them on No, way he would talk to presumably his mother the, or The ending when all of the mannequins come to life and tear his body apart. Well, I thought that like, was interesting. Yes. Style. I thought that like, was a fascinating when the victims kind of get their revenge and I think it kind of, to me, almost put this in a revenge. Like, it, it did redeem it for me. Mm-hmm. But I just, I feel like the the his stalking of his victims and the murders themselves just felt so drawn out at times. Not as yeah. bad as Henry, and we'll definitely get right. back to that. But that when they get their revenge, I'm like, yay. But then, we'll, also, can we talk about the worst cops ever? They literally walk in. <laughs> My note is the cops are like, Oh, well, our job here is done. Like, Let's go home. I feel like they dusted off <laughs> yeah. their, like, ate their donut bite, dusted <laughs> off their hands, and went, well, job well done. Yeah. There is a dead body and a bunch of crime scene of women's heads, <laughs> women's scalps. And Why? Just, just close the door. Walk out. They should have sprayed some Febreze or, like, Lysol <laughs> before they did. Oh, this is going to get gross. Hang a new car scent <laughs> On, on his body. Uh, we'll call that taken away. care of, yeah. And Walk I do away. like that his eyes opened at the end at the suggestion of like some sort of supernaturalness. I I actually thought it was a very... What, what made me uncomfortable, besides some of the feminist stuff I'll get into, was just how like sloppy and creepy and loner and like crazy like speaks to himself schizophrenic like that is definitely a type of serial killer i think there was a lot of parallels to son of sam with this i think there was a lot of parallels to the disorganized killers and all like i thought it was very well done in its realistic portrayal yet it somehow felt very fictionalized which is which is a compliment to to the film exactly and i think the reason why we liked this one more than henry because we did have that like i said i don't i don't think the phrase element of fun is what there's, I really want and the appropriate. No, but there's no fun kind, to be had in these films. That's kind of the sentiment that I feel in this. Really? Oh, God. Just because, like, I chalked this up to another slasher. 
Oh, see, I had a, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I, I have a hard time putting this, and you're right, it does fall into the slasher category, but for me, it feels too snuffy and real, like so many of the films of that time did. To me, it calls to almost like Last House on the Left style. Yeah. But in Last House on the Left, what makes that movie more palatable is the revenge at the end, to, mm-hmm. at least for me. It's right. not a movie I visit for funsies, no. but when there's nothing to make it more palatable or to make the ick lessened, yeah, I just I have such a hard time just being like, like I'm not gonna pop this in for funsies. I just I no, can't. This like, is this is what and done. This yeah. is you know what I've seen it. I can check it off the list. Me too. I can talk about it at parties. You know, <laughs> yeah, as one does. As, as, as when, in our circles, <laughs> you know, when someone brings up 1980s maniac. Um, as I'll be does. right there. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When I first started watching the movie, I thought that the maniac, Frank, mm-hmm. I thought it was Ron Jeremy. <laughs> uh, I got, that would I be... I got excited for a hot minute. I love that you were excited by that. I was, I was like, yes, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> were you titillated? I was a little titillated <laughs> that, that Ron Jeremy. Um, also, just, you know, I said that it's set in the real world, but let's be, let's be honest. This is complete magical realism because there's no way Frank gets a date with that photographer in the real Thank world. you so much for in bringing that world. up because of all the things that I was really uncomfortable with, with both of these films, what really made me the most angry was that this gorgeous, popular, cool girl would have an advance from a guy like, well, first of all, how much to department? Man, one of the silver linings of New York being that dumpy was that before, like that he affords that place, that she affords that place, I call bullshit. The nurse too, I'm like, really? That's a- the model, let me tell you what, the model, the, the girl model. that dies in the bathtub, mm-hmm. um, or the one that was in the bathtub, yeah. she has, when I like from when I was a little kid, she had an element in her apartment that was like going to be in my dream home. But the set of small set of stairs leading up to the door. Well, that's when you know you made it. I don't. I think it was in sitcoms mm-hmm. too. Like Always, I feel like yeah. Freeze Company had it. Because like that, that was such a seventies and eighties aesthetic. Is. And yeah. to me, that was the height of luxury: is to have a small set of stairs leading up to your door. And that bitch had it, and I was like, you know what? She's made it. Can we talk about the teddy bear? What a bizarre gift to give a grown woman that you're like courting. Like, I think it's cute to give someone a stuffed animal. Like, I don't think it's... But, like, here's like, a fucking you know random teddy bear. Like, I just kind of put it no. in, like, 2023, and I'm like, here's the Squishmallow that I got for you. Oh, Squishmallow. <laughs> I got you this delightful Squishmallow, lady. But they would definitely say lady. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, this it guy is... Like, JD from uh, Grandma's Boy. Right, like, like the... It, the the Frank from 1980 put him in today, and he's like a neckbeard living in his mom's basement, 100%. trolling comments on the internet. He's an giving, intel. He's giving girls squishmallows. He, he is. He's giving the squishmallows, but like not cool ones. Like not like you know the plague doctor one. He's giving yeah. them like a weird one. Um, and he's also gonna blame them for this. And that is a great transition into why I say fuck this movie. Okay. And here's why. Okay. okay. And I'm gonna put on my feminist pants for a minute here. The tagline to this movie is "I warned you not to go out tonight." You know what? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. That is so victim blamey. That is such 80s fucking bullshit. Like, oh, the girl who was at the disco with Tom Savini was cheating on his her, her boyfriend. So she fucking deserved it. And, you know, the mo- like, again, like this idea that if you go out, if you had the audacity to be a strong, independent woman and go out, then you fucking deserved everything you get. We warned you. 
That's not, it's not Frank's fault. We told you not to go out. Like, I just fuck you, 80s horror, for this, this fucking undying message. And yes, I guess there technically is a final girl, but again, not really, because all she does is run. We never see her again. But like, it is not your fault that you get stalked and murdered just because you had the audacity to go out. You had the audacity to be single. You had the audacity to be nice to a creepy guy. Like, I, and I'm going to, uh, I read an article uh, which I will totally share in the notes called Kill the Girls, G-R-R-L-S, Girls, Girls, Historical Reflection and Feminist Ideals in Classic Slasher Films. And I thought this was by Jen Jungclaws. And I thought it was a really good article. It kind of played with a lot of the Carol Clover ideas. And it also talked about how these films were made as cautionary tales. And that's part of the problem with all of them. Right. This idea that in all of 1980s films and television, the, the motherly at-home mom or at-home woman was safe. Right. The strong, independent woman who lived on her own, like the like the model, or the nurse who dared to go in the subway. Oh, token subways. I was so I was so nostalgic. Oh, no. <laughs> um, who dared to go to the subway alone and not wait for you know? Who dared to walk the streets alone? These women somehow deserved it. They wanted to silence that type of feminism. And I don't know that it was an intentional choice in these films and like in the the TV shows we grew up with. But yeah. really, even in those more innocuous things, it was always like. The good girl wins because she gets she stays home and stays safe. She's got a husband to protect her. She'll be fine. The bad girl dies. Or the bad girl gets what she's got coming. And especially the promiscuous one, right? Because arguably the ho- most horrific deaths in this to me were the girl in the car and the girl in the bathtub. And both of them, it was like hinted that they were like sassy, independent women who maybe shirked the virginal pure thing. Yeah. And the little photographer girl did seem very nice and pure and sweet. Like she only ever kissed him on the cheek. And like, you know, so I, I think this film bothers me in that it falls victim to so many of those 80s bullshit anti-feminist ideologies. But I will say that I didn't think it was very male gazy. No. You know, I didn't think wasn't. either of these films were actually, they, which I give them credit yeah. for that. Um, because I think had these films been male gazy, there would just really be no excusing yeah. them. They wouldn't last. The other benefit of it being in 1980 meant that it had really awesome VHS uh, box art mm. because while I had never seen it I know that, I, yeah. rem- I know this Vividly. cover art like it's the, the just right from the waist yeah. down with you know the he was really the- mad that his face wasn't in it yeah. Like he pitched a fit at them about it. And I hate to say that they did this to him, but the reason why they did it was so that it would like sell more. Yeah. Like they were like, oh buddy, you have a face for radio. Oh, like, no. I know. And he's such a sweet baby angel. He was at least. Yeah. But like, yeah. So I, it's funny because I read this whole story about how like he really hated that cover because he was so offended that it was like a dead woman's head and his. Right. It's just like legs. His legs. Yeah. Legs, yeah. Uh, poor guy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this film gets talked about a lot. It gets referenced a lot. For, for good reason. But yeah. it's so 80s problematic for me. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And I just really, I don't know what it is that makes this feel like I'm watching a fucking snuff film. I hate when horror makes me feel like, because here's the thing, and we'll talk about this more with Henry. I don't like to be reminded of how it's creepy that I like this shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Don't, you know, it's like when the dog poops and you put your nose in it, you know? Or you put, <laughs> you know. My nose is... That's exactly it so funny that you say it that way because that's exactly how I feel I feel like it's rubbing my nose in my own just neuroses yeah Um, I mean I as far as the the snuff film thing I feel like I honestly feel like that's intentional with this movie like because it really 
Like it's like you were saying, like it's it was you know low budget. It was shot Girl, without yeah. permit. You know, to me, I feel like the idea of that uncomfortable snuff film kind of just goes in tandem with everything else that happens in the movie. You're made to feel uncomfortable because Frank is having a, a breakdown and he thinks every woman that is a woman of ill repute or a woman who is independent or, you know, anybody that even shows any sign of anything like his mother, he thinks that's his mother and then he kills them because he's crazy. And I don't know, like to me that I, if you were going to say it feels like a snuff film, it makes you feel uncomfortable, then I say that, that the film has done its job. I don't, I think that it's purposely trying to make you feel that way. But I don't want to watch snuff films because oh, they're yeah. real. So I don't want to watch films that feel real. I and guess. that's fair. That's absolutely fair. I, yeah. and, and again, maybe that makes me some sort of hypocrite because I love horror as much as I do. But these types of films are just so no, unpalatable But, but, and, but for again, me. like the horror films that we like are definitely more supernatural or they're right, not, they're like not abstract based, or you know, right. they're not like, yeah, real like life. Jason goes to Manhattan and Manhattan <laughs> is real, but it's also Jason and Manhattan. Right. And so. all of my favorite, like even my favorite slashers are ones that are somewhat supernatural or, or really to me focus on women overcoming uh, or, or have a monster that is just so, uh, to me, fantastically fictional. Like, like the ghost face to me is, is probably the most realistic of all of them. But again, because of how long it's been around and how much it's been reiterated, it feels yeah. almost comical at or points. Or it's an element of where, like, it's it's campy. Um, right. Like, like and, and not to use that as a pun, but, like, I instantly think of Sleepaway Camp Part 3. Angela yeah. is the it's, killer. Right, but and it's, it's very, it's very much in the real right? world. But... It's also ridiculous and Correct. funny. And, and, and the kills feel... And it feels so fictionalized. You know, like, Scream never feels real for how good it is. Really? To me, the, even Scream 1, as scary as it is, as effective as it is, same thing with Silence of the Lambs. Like, even as good as it is. And Silence of the Lambs is very much based in the reality of hunting serial killers. There's something very fictionalized about it for me. And I, don't, I wish I could put my... Finger, like, if anybody's listening and says, I know why you feel that way and here's why. Because it might point to some flaw in my thinking. There's something that feels safe about those and just these don't feel that way. And maybe it's just the way they were made. Maybe it's just a technical thing. I was going to say, could it be too that like, like Scream and Silence of the Lambs, big budget movies. That could be too. It could right? be like big, could be you're familiar true. with the people in it, right? There's there's you know movie stars in them. There's movie stars there. But Michael Rooker's a movie yeah, star, Rooker, and he yeah. like I I totally am taken out of him. I love him in Guardians of the Galaxy, but when I watch Henry, I'm like yeah, maybe maybe it was just like it's big budget. It looks better. I wonder if I'd feel that way if I watched the New Maniac. Like if I it, like I, I don't know that I feel like I, it would be a I don't I don't know that you would like. The new maniac, just based on what you're saying about these themes, but I can tell you that I stylistically, I really like that you have Frank's POV the See, whole time. I hate that idea. And I don't want to be the killer. Elijah Wood is really good, creepy. Like he plays I know, which really because I love him. How dare you, Frodo? I know he's sweet, sweet baby, baby angel. angel. Oh, but he he does he does creepy. He does very well in in Sin City. He did creepy. Really he did, well. yeah, he did. But I. I don't want to be the killer. And I have done, I have had struggled with this anytime I've ever played a video game where I'm supposed to be the bad guy because I feel dirty doing it. 
Like, it, um, and I'm going to reference Call of Duty here as the worst one. Because there was a there was a mission in one of the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare's where you literally are a terrorist shooting up a, a like shooting up a airport. I hate it. I was like crying and I refused. I kept shooting up in the sky mm-hmm. and like failing the mission and like it because I couldn't bring myself to do it yeah. and it felt so real. And so I don't know. I don't know that I'd be down to clown with that. I'm actually glad you told me because now I don't want to watch it. Same thing when I play even when I play like Friday the Thirteenth the, the game. Yeah. Which I play with my daughter sometimes. I never want to be Jason. Yeah. I don't want to walk around killing people. I really don't. And I get into the game aspect of it, like the chase part, but when I actually get to them, I'm like, okay, go ahead, go. Like, yeah. I'm just like, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to kill people. I don't want to, as much as I love horror, as much as I love serial killers, as much as I'm fascinated by all of this, I don't want to be them. I don't want to idolize them. And I think that's a line that's important for me. That's fair. Yeah. So I'm yeah. a Debbie Downer. Sorry. Do you want to transition into... That's a perfect transition into Henry. So Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer would come out six years later in 1986, directed by John McNaughton, whose only other big thing was Wild Things. So yeah, he's a total fucking creep, is what I think. (laughs) I fucking hate that movie, too. Starring what I wrote as a sweet baby angel, Michael Rooker. Mm -hmm. And Tom Towles, who, fun fact is Sheriff Wydell in House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. I didn't realize that. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. And I, like, in my mind's eye, I'm like, I see him as, like, a cop or, like, you know, oh, I don't played, know. I couldn't. I, I knew creepy I, so good. I knew I saw him somewhere as, like, a figure of authority, but mm-hmm. I couldn't place it. So mm-hmm. thank you, because that's where we You're welcome. He's from. Sheriff Wydell. There you go. And I fucking hated this movie. This... I hated this movie for completely different reasons. Correct. Than I hated this yeah. movie. <laughs> well, first, I want to give a shout out to last podcast on the left here because although I do think sometimes even their representation of all these real tr- true crimes and how much they laugh about it all is could border on problematic, I fucking love that show. We both love that yes. show. And their Henry Lee series was really good. It was I learned very good. way like, and the I love how much of a lying sack of shit both he and Otis were. I love that they blamed a fictionalized satanic cult for what they did. Because mm-hmm. um, the hand of death is just simply not real for all intents and purposes. But um, I, I really am very fascinated with wh- how in-depth they go into things. They don't celebrate these guys. They kind of make fun of them and make them out to be the shit they are. Which I think makes it easier. But yeah, if you're interested in Henry Lee Lucas as the true crime thing it was, listen to the last podcast series because yeah. it was really good. Which is why you didn't like it. Which is why I like it. Because I am the same way that you are, where I am very fascinated with serial killers. And I've watched a lot of the Netflix, what is it? It's like confession tapes or (laughs) like the confessions of a killer. The the one where they have the documentary that's got, and they've got the footage of Henry Lee Lucas talking about all the crimes he did or whatever. Between that, between last podcast, like, I was going into this, like, ready for a movie about Henry Lee Lucas. This is not And this is not it. I'm like, if that was the source material, you guys did a really bad job. Aside from the fact that you've got Henry and Otis, um, uh, it's kind of it. Like, you, you kill some people. Apparently, I did read... Well, they did. I mean, they did have the... the kills... Frida was, was his 12-year-old cousin was Henry uh, Otis Toole's 12 year old cousin who they took on the crime spirit them right. and Henry did and, kill her eventually and that was supposed to be Becky that was supposed sister. to be Becky yeah um I, I apparently some of the crimes that were shown were some that Henry allegedly committed. correct like the bottle in the head yeah. was a famous one 
Um, no, yeah, and his his real life kills were so brutal that there's no way they'd be able to show them in this film right. anyway. Um, but yeah, they did abuse it, like the twelve year old cousin. I'm glad they made her older because Jesus Christ. Also, can we talk about like what's the point of the trauma bonding, and the attempt at like. Because I feel like somebody... Okay, someone wrote, and, and I didn't agree with this at all. Someone wrote that they thought this was Becky's story. And I was like, eh, wrong. It's not Becky's story. It is literally titled Henry Porter Zero Killer. The whole thing hinges upon the casualness and just the the ease with which these two create monstrously do these things. Because when Otis Tool in real life met Henry, they were both already killers. It's not like... I, I do think Henry influenced Otis, but like... This is not a movie about Becky. And how I know that is that Becky's love for him is unrequited. And she is just so traumatized and so messed up with her own life. And it's so unsettling to me that anybody... Sorry, like the I read two or three different feminist articles that defended this movie as, as like an ode to Becky. And I was like, nah. This is absolutely about Henry. And how I think that's made abundantly clear is how casually he kills her. She's not even, like, she's killed off screen, thank God. Mm -hmm. She's killed and left in a suitcase on the side of the road. She is just another, like, piece of furniture in his very fucked up world. So it, it starts with him in this diner, casually, with dead bodies. The long shots of the victims is so uncomfortable for me. To me, anybody who, I'm sorry, but I'm going to challenge that anybody who says that this this is about Becky is wrong. That's, that's my my first hot take on this film. Oh. I got a couple more coming at you soon. The other one that made me want to punch a wall is I read, and this was on Rumorg. So I'm, I'm going to just go right at this article and say that this was ludicrous. Because Rumorg posted like a tribute to this film, you know, uh, 2016, whatever it was. And tried to say that this film was a critique of poverty in the 1980s. What in Sam fuck are you talking about? Because yes, poverty has devastating consequences. But Henry Lee Lucas didn't kill, murder, rape, torture people because he was poor. That's not how this works. And to oversimplify that and to make your article and your, your, your thesis hinge on the idea of the slippery slope of being poor leads to this. Like yes, they had limited options because they were uneducated and didn't have a lot of money. They were def there are definitely a lot of correlations. There are a lot of serial killers who grew up poor. There's definitely correlations here. But what in the slippery slope are you talking about when you try to say that this film is about fucking poverty and that Henry Lee Lucas is a, po a product of Reaganomics? You won't find anybody who hates Reaganomics more than me. You won't find anybody who hates the 80s avarice and, and haves and have-nots capitalism more than me. But fuck, that did not create Henry Lee Lucas. His fucking... Literal prostitute mother created Henry Lee Lucas. His brain biological malfunctions created. And the concussions he received as a child created Henry Lee Lucas. His fucking father who beat him and put him in a dress created Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah, poverty had something to do with it. But Jesus Christ, who writes an entire article that this movie is about poverty? That's it. I'll, I'll leave. That's, that was my research on this film. Hard no, Jackie. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah, you take your... No, you go. I'll relax over here in the corner. I'll take a sip of my beverage. Take a sip of Breathe into a, to I'm a gonna, paper bag. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I don't think you're okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> do you, I mean, do you think that's true? That this film is a, is a movie about poverty? Um, I don't think it's a movie about poverty, but I, but I also don't think this really is a movie about Henry Lee Lucas. Well, what do you think it's a movie about? I think they... I think, to me, this was just... So, 
to, to skip back the whole thing about it being Becky's story, while I don't necessarily agree with that, you know what? Film can be analyzed in a million different ways. And somebody's take on it is going to be different than somebody else's take Even on it. Even if it's wrong. <laughs> Doesn't um, but, but that's like saying Star Wars is really Chewie's story. Actually, it's R2-D2's. <laughs> Get me started with your shenanigans. You know what I mean. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It does know. matter. It's, that doesn't. It's, it's, Henry Lee, it's a Henry portrait of a serial killer. It Not really Becky affect, portrait of the girl who was killed by a serial it killer. It really affects your life that much that it someone does. else it's, No, it, it does. No, it really does. It really fucking puts a bee in my bonnet okay. when people misconstrue art in a dangerous way. Because to call this Becky's story is the most insulting thing to that 12-year-old girl ever. But it's not about the 12-year-old girl. But it is. But it isn't. This is so not based. Oh, we haven't fought in a while. This I'm, is this really is, not this based. Happy. First of all, they never really say his name more than his name being Henry. They say Otis Toole. They say Otis Toole, but they... But you can't act like this isn't the, the story of Henry the but this isn't the, But this is not the story. Because, okay, first of all, this is not Henry Lee Lucas. Because Michael Rooker, handsome guy. Mm-hmm. He has both of his eyes. He does. You know, he is not mental, uh, like, a, like a... IQ of 20 Yeah, like I was to say, yeah. mentally impaired. I love how you careful know? you were with that. In <laughs> last podcast, they just dropped the R word. They hard. did. I was they like, I'm not here for no, that. I no. won't do that. Um, I, so it's like, I, I have a hard time. I mean, they made Becky a completely different character. So I'm not looking at this. Because they couldn't get away with having, because they couldn't get away with it. So it's not her. But it is. But, but it's, like, it's also just a movie. But is it really it's her also story? Just Do you movie. think this is a story that she's the protagonist of the story? I think it's an interesting take. No, I think it's a stupid take. Well, that's your opinion. I think this film hey, is... Hey, hey, opinions are like podcasts. Everybody has <laughs> That's going to be the name of this episode. I learned that phrase the other day, and I'm like, that's brilliant. I've been waiting to use it, so oh there we God. go. You're so right. No, you're so there right. There we go. I just think sometimes you have to be held accountable for your stupidity. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm holding the people who call this film feminist because they believe this is some sort of heroic journey for this girl who got brutally murdered fictionally. Yeah, a wink. Um, they think that's this is her story. Then you need to go rewatch the movie because the whole movie centers around the violence for that, that these types of men are capable of in such a casual, nonchalant way. Yeah. And in that way, this film does it well. And I'm going to actually, this is the perfect time for me. Guess who loved this film? You're never going to guess. Roger Ebert. The man who never loves. This man hates every heart, hated every horror movie ever. You ready? Because I knew you were going to give me that face. Ready? (laughs) This is what Roger Ebert said. And I quote, this is a movie that's an obvious candidate for the pros A for adult rating. Because there was, we'll get into the ratings thing. It is a chilling uh, film that will horrify viewers as is intended to illuminate and not entertain. But it is also a very good film, a low budget tour de force that provides an unforgettable portrait of the pathology of a man for whom killing is not a crime, but simply a way of passing time and relieving boredom. And for that, it serves its purpose. He fucking called this movie a tour. De- he raved about it. He gave it an A rating. Roger fucking Ebert, who hates every horror movie ever. Sometimes I, I, make a habit to read almost every review from Cisco and Ebert's websites about horror films because they always shit all over them. Especially Roger Ebert. He fucking loved this film. <laughs> so he's telling a, me it was wrong. He's, he's, me he's a serial killer. Probably had a few heads in his... He's yeah, serial probably killer. had a few That's why he likes it. He was like getting tips and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
mind, Jackie, I was mind blown. I literally had to copy paste it because I couldn't believe it with my own eyes. That's bananas. Yeah. That is great. I mean, the bottom line for this movie, I don't, makes a good I don't disagree with you. I don't believe that this is Becky's story. Thank you. Um, you can be diplomatic all you want, but you know I'm right. Uh, the bottom line for this movie, the tagline should be, ooh, just ooh. Yeah. Because really, that's 100%. all that this movie conveys. 100%. And this film really gets pulled through the ringer even today as excessively violent for violence sake. Yeah. And I think I've, I've narrowed it down. Well, first of all, there's an interesting story. The, the, there was a huge lawsuit. The company that financed this film, they were called MPI, they sued the ratings board because the ratings board gave Henry an X, which in 1986 only went to uh, porn. It, I mean, fair. Yeah, I'm like it's... But believe it or not, when they said, well, what can we cut to make it an R? They were like, no, no, you can't cut anything. This is a moral... This is what they quoted. Overall moral tone of this film is unfixable. So MPI sued and won. And the ratings board had to... Because they refused to change the movie... And they were like, listen, we, we, we'll cut a few scenes, a, a few a nudity, right. whatever, whatever. And they were like, no, no, no. That's, the, the film itself is just wrong. And they, MPI won the lawsuit. And because of this film, NC-17 became more of a norm. So it's the, the way that the ratings board got around it was an NC-17 rating, was, which was basically a death sentence for a film at the time. Right. Because people just assumed it was porn, pornographic. Because this is the height of like 80s, like clutch my pearls, you know, Nancy Reagan bullshit, right? Um, so it goes on to get the NC-17. It technically has an X in most distributions. So what they did was they released, when they released it on video, it was the first time a big release of an unrated film was released. And this became like, most people cite this film as the start of the trend in horror of releasing the unrated version in order to like, see, this is what we wanted to do. So what we watch today is the unrated version. What most people saw back then was not. And so interestingly, this film really started that whole craze. Now I'd like to go back to Mr. Ebert because as much as I fucking, he get, he's another one who puts a bee in my bonnet. He's right. This, what makes this film so fucking creepy and so horrible and why so many people still talk about it is how casual the, just this horrific things are. And I want to, the one scene that I can't is the one they film themselves. Oh. Um, I don't think it's a celebration of their violence. I don't think it's done in an overly gratuitous way, but man, does it make you queasy. Yeah. And what I've spent most of my time wondering, and I'm hoping you can help me because I have my theory, but I want to hear what you have to think about it. Why is this scene so unsettling? So much more than any... I mean, we have watched some extreme shit. Why does that scene just put me so off? And make me feel so horrible about horror and make me hate myself just a little bit too for watching this shit. What makes that scene so hard? I know it's a hard question because I've been I've been tangling with it in my own brain for two weeks now. Well part of part of my silence is wrapping my brain around you hating yourself for liking horror. Yeah, no, in, in that, moments that, like that, I don't, that I, will, I don't like. I will be embarrassed of the fact that really? I'm watching this film. Yes. I said to Matt, because sometimes my husband will be like, what do you have to watch? I'll watch it with you. And I was like, no, 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 you can't watch these with me. And he's like, I'm not going to ever judge you for your taste in film. And I was like, no, no, I, I'll watch these alone. Because there is something about these that makes me so deeply uncomfortable and so ashamed of the genre. 
that I love really? so much. Yeah, and we can definitely unpack that. But this particular, the scene where they rape, not even rape, just kill. Yeah, I a mean, a woman my, and her son and her husband. To me, I think that's part of it. Is the fact that it's the the voyeuristic nature. That's exactly what I think too. You know, it's, that it's, we're it's, just taking a peek of, and it's like we get to see it from start to finish, which like we don't always see in, in horror movies. Correct. Sometimes Most we see times they don't, just right. the beginning or just the end or whatever. And like the fact that the kid walks in Ugh. and then he starts beating on the kid Ugh. and, you know. And the way he like plays with her body and she, the look of terror on her face. Yeah. It's you know, so she, snuff filmy. It really, I think the voyeuristic nature, the way that that scene is shot is probably what makes it. I don't know that it would be as unsettling if we saw, saw it just from like, you know, bird's eye view kind of thing. You know, we see them both. So you're so close to what I think it is. And I think it's because it's videotaped by them. Yeah. Because I think we as the audience... And even them as the filmmakers. So it, I think that w- the one like tip of the hat I'm going to give to this director or whoever made the decision to give them that video camera, which made so much sense because the 1980s, everybody was getting camcorders in the mid-80s, right? But what makes it so brilliant is that Otis watches it over and over again to, mm-hmm. as pleasure. Yeah. We watch these types of films for pleasure. So to have to be in some sort of same mind, like to have to put myself in. Now, granted, I didn't kill anybody yeah, watching. Like I I'm not watching an actual sus- snuff. I don't film, subscribe to that. Are because... we in some small way? No, because we're not the ones doing it. No, but we're watching it for entertainment. Because it's a movie. It's make believe. But why watch that for entertainment? Well, You've never wondered why we watch no. what we watch. You've never wondered why horror in that way. Why do people watch rom coms? Because they, they they're sad I mean, and lonely. What? No. Why not? You don't think fucking sad lonely hearts is sitting there watching rom coms, crying, clicking her double mouse or, or double clicking the mouse because you know whatever is happening. You know. You like, think so? Why the fuck not? I will never. I will never be ashamed of this genre because movies are are entertainment. Movies are not real. You know, like, how do you feel about reading books? Do you feel that way when you read a book? If I read a book that's that's really... When I read Tender as the Flesh, I felt a little ashamed of myself. What? Why? Because it was so extreme and so horrific that I was like, what is wrong with me that I like this? We are... Per, we Our personalities are so different. A hundred percent. Because I would never in a million years feel ashamed about something that I like. I'm not like a... I'm not admonishing myself. Maybe ashamed is the wrong word, but I, I am unsettled by the suggestion that we are somehow implicated in the celebration of horror, like by celebrating horror and celebrating films based on real life horrors or even celebrating podcasts that discuss real life horrors. Would you say the same thing for people that like military movies? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Listen, I mean, I, when I watch Platoon, when I watch Full Metal Jacket, I don't feel good. I hate that movie. Full Metal Jacket, yeah, although but people really film. like that. Like, people like Saving Private Ryan. People right, but like you don't Apocalypse think, now. you don't look at people who really love Apocalypse Now and Saving Private Ryan and go, ooh, they like more stuff. They don't do much. I mean, how is that much different than horror? <laughs> it's horrific. Dude, I'll take a horror movie over the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Any day well, I mean, again, week. it's that realism, which is but why that's we why don't I really can't palette like Saving Private Ryan either. I don't know. Or I, Platoon I, or Full Metal Jacket. Never, it's unpalatable for me. I never for a moment would have that thought. 
that you're like, oh, why, why am I doing this to myself? No, why? Because oh, if, if that was my struggle, thought, with if it. that was my thought, then I shouldn't be watching any of it. If I'm doubting myself as a person because no, of not the as enter- a person. No, no, because no. of the entertainment, I'm not doubting myself as a person. Well, you're, doubt, you're, you're It's not like I think I'm going to go kill somebody. Of course not. But mm-hmm. I question. You've never questioned why you love horror. No, never. Why? Because a film like this makes me. But un- I'm not a killer. I'm not watching these movies getting ideas. Yeah, but what does it then- say about us that we enjoy this as entertainment? What does this say about humans? Why do you like the taste of broccoli and I think it tastes like ass? It, but there's a there, but that's a that's that's a, like an apples and oranges. It's a non sequitur. I'm saying no. I'm saying people's tastes are different. Whether but it I'm, is, but I'm I agree with you. And and you can love this movie, and I can hate it, and that doesn't change anything. But what I'm trying to get to the bottom of here is why that scene is so unsettling for me. Probably because of the voyeuristic nature. But of it. you agree that it's unsettling, and you yes. yourself called it voyeuristic. It is, but I'm not. So sitting why there. did it unsettle you so so much? Because it's a voyeuristic scene. Like it's nasty. It's Something that I wouldn't... But why do we watch it then? Because it's a horror movie and I wanted to see it. You take And you don't, you don't ever take that pause to say what made me want to watch that or what made me watch that. What made oh. me not turn that off? Because we had to do a show? No, that's... I mean, obviously, I'm telling you right now, I would have never watched either of these. I would have went the I, rest I, of my I, life without yeah, I, I don't ever want to watch them again. But this no, is like a double dog dare for me. There, there has never been a time where I've question why I like what I like. Oh, I question why I like what I like all the time, but not because I want to condemn myself because I'm fascinated by it. I mean, in this case, I am a little condemning of, like, listen, if you're someone who loves Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, yeah, I'm fucking judging. I'm sorry. If someone says to me, hey, you want to go on a date? I really love Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You want to come over and watch it five times? That's a fucking hard, again, Valentine's Day red flags. It all comes <laughs> back to the theme. I'm going to throw out there that if somebody loves Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, you shouldn't swipe left or right or whichever. I've never been on Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, and if you're out there and you've ever had that thought, please let me know because there are certain films and certain subgenres. And so, like, I, I, when I watched um, this, even Sadness, I was like, Ooh. like, movies make me wonder sometimes why I like this stuff. It shakes me to my core. But I also went through 10 years where I thought that I was, should be ashamed to be a horror fan and I never wanted to be a horror fan again. Right. So obviously I've had a very different journey in all of this than you. That's true. And you're also way more of a secure human being and way more evolved <laughs> as like a mature, evolved human. I'm very damaged. I, and I and, also don't give a fuck about other people's, and you, don't. you know. And I don't think this is about me worrying about the rest of the no, world. No, that's true. My husband knows me better than anybody else in the world. I keep no secrets from him, but I still didn't want to put him through this. And I think that's interesting. There's got to be something to be said for that. Where I was like, no, 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 don't watch this with me. It's not like I was watching a snuff film. You know what I mean? Like it was fictional characters. But I don't know. And yet I'll wa- I'll listen to the last podcast and cackle along with them. But every now and again, well, I they dirty. make it a joke. They, right. I mean, they are. That's a what they're podcast. so good about, right? They, they make, make it funny, palatable right? because it's funny. Agreed. They are the spoonful of sugar that to helps help me go down. And I do really do. You just said to help me go down. <laughs> Hey, listen. Hey. If, if you, you want to try it, I would call go. me. See, you're a Ben group. I've, I've always been a Ben oh, fan. Oh, Henry. Henry or Marcus. Yeah. They do I, it for me. You know what? Marcus is too skinny for me. Marcus is too, yeah. too skinny Henry. for me. You were Henry boy. I'm a Ben girl. I'm I see. Ben I think girl. it's so funny that you like Ben. I'm like, oh, God, he's so corny. I know. <laughs> That's me. Because I, you know what? It's funny because 
just to step out of ourselves for a second. Mm-hmm. In I, because I sometimes will be like, if we were last podcast, like you're the Marcus, you I am are Marcus. the Marcus, I'm Marcus Parks, and I'm yeah. like, I'm not funny enough to be Henry, but I'm annoying <laughs> enough to be Ben. Oh, and I, I, I feel like you I could do voices, and I can't. So. <laughs> I am. I feel like I am the Ben where I interrupt, and I'm just like, salt is salty, and that's my <laughs> contribution to. Your dissertation on I do laugh sometimes when poor Marcus is trying to get all their shit out and they just fucking fuck with them. It's so funny. Love that show. I really do. No, yeah. I I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's my big thing. I wrote... I I, I read a few articles about it and kind of just talked about how we're so queasy and uncomfortable with that scene because it's filmed and because they watch it and because it's so casual. And, like, you know, even the filmmakers making these films themselves have to have some sort of, like dialogue of discomfort. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, you know, the, the the big takeaway for me from both these films, though, besides the fact that you should never date somebody with either of these personalities, cops really did give two shits about homosexuals, prostitutes, or poor people in the 1980s. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say it, but... And also, real estate was so much more affordable back in the 80s. Because <laughs> I was impressed. Even Henry and Otis's apartment, I'm like, in Chicago? That would it's go for 3000 a month. Like, it's not bad. Um, also, anything snuffy and too real is a hard no. As we've get yeah. learned, it's a hard yeah. no for me. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad as much as we used a goofy excuse with the Valentine's Day topic of don't date these men um, and don't cross their paths, incidentally. I do think that both of these films have an interesting place in the history of horror films. Because like these 80s, very realistic-y cringy nasty like neither of these were video nasties which i thought was interesting but you know these are and again it's like the lower budget that and and you're right the fact that they were 80s and it's just you know they the we we didn't watch like the 4k remastered like we're still seeing them yeah is the way they were meant to be seen in my opinion there's there's a lot of reasons are there 4k restorations of these movies probably fucking like scream factory or whatever Uh, but you know again these are one and dones like we've oh, seen them for sure. we can check them off yep, I just want to forget take a shower and forget all about them <laughs> like every bad date on Valentine's <laughs> Day I just want to take a shower and forget it ever you happened I don't want Frank and Henry I want Ben and Jerry <laughs> that's right those are the men for me they are oh and yes, so Valentine's Day is is near. It is near. And we are not done. We're we're gonna all dive into another uh, Valentine's Day ish theme next, yeah. next. Certainly a lot of a lot of blood in the next red two flags. films. Red flags. Red flags, folks. All over the place. Red so flags. the our Valentine's Day February theme is red. Red equals red flags. Yes. <laughs> That's not red hearts this year. No. Red flags. And you know what? Rom coms have lots of red flags too. So don't think that we're yeah, you can uh, just red flags abound. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, Henry Lee Lucas, red flags everywhere. Poor Matthew McConaughey. What does he do? He all plays right, all right. Okay. I know he's Maybe delightful, he's, he's but he always plays a problematic character in a rom com. Does he? Oh god, you don't watch rom. See, I watch rom coms. That's yeah. why I was a little offended. But but it's not wrong. <laughs> I watch way more rom-coms than you ever will. Yeah. Like, you've never seen, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You've never seen, there like, Failure to Launch. rom-coms that I've seen that I like. I've seen, They're like, both Sandy Bullock ones, I no, bet. No, they're not. Oh. Do I... Is there a Sandy Bullock? No, you're right. So there's three. Because I love Miss Congeniality. Oh, my God. That's not a rom-com. That's just a it's good movie. I don't think okay. so. Yeah. Um, 13 Going on 30. Love that one. Not a rom-com, okay. though. Damn more it. of a coming of age. Okay. And Love Actually. Love Actually is totally mm, holiday rom-com, yeah. Okay, 
Holiday Rock. I do love Love Actually, although I mean, it, it it hasn't. It continues to age poorly. Every year, I'm like a little less in love with it. You know, like every year, I'm a little more angry and a little less. Do you ever endeavor. just watch it and you want Alan Rickman to do the right thing and for give once. his wife the necklace? Yeah, for like, fucking just, once. Just give your wife the necklace. Or I watch it and I'm like, I don't know that it's okay for him to hit on his best friend's wife like that. Like, yeah, no. You know, like, I, there's so many things in that movie now where I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. I don't know if it's old age or cynicism or yeah. what. But yeah, speaking of love, I'll tell you, you know what movies, there are certain love movies, if we're talking Valentine's Day, yes. that will always hold up for me. Mm-hmm. Dirty Dancing. I saw Dirty Dancing. Man, didn't do anything for me. Oh, it was creepy. I, I, I think creepy? It's, I think it's so funny that... You don't find Dirty Dancing problematic. Oh, it's deeply problematic. Oh, okay. I good, just refuse good. to acknowledge yeah. it. No, I'm not. I'm, like, I'm not lying. He's like 80. Like, she's 12. I was like, isn't he supposed to be in his 40s? She's like 18. I love the meme that's like, yeah, we did put her in the corner. Yeah. She needs a fucking timeout. Patrick yeah. Swayze, go away. Like, yeah. no, I know how no, problematic Let her finish is. high school. Yeah. You go back to your 9 to 5. Right. Okay? Like, Let's leave all her, stay leave separate here, right? <laughs> Jerry or... Or, or, or Bach. Or Bach. Or Fred Bucker had every right to not be okay with that Louis <laughs> But there's so... Yeah, most copper, like love stories uh, for the ages are deeply problematic. Right. I can't think of a single romantic comedy that I'm like, nope, I stand by all the like all the themes of that story. I'm trying to think if there's, there's not one. one. Yeah, like because there are like there are non horror things that I like because there are some dramas. I I like it like you know like, you like I like drama. more I like I my old lady dramas like Steel Magnolias. Terms of endearment. Oh my god, those are my like even ones that I love. Like I love my best friend's wedding, but it's so cringy. Princess Bride is great, but cringy. Pretty Woman is really problematic. But I, I mean, listen, if I go, if I go sit down and Pretty Woman's on, I'm not changing the channel. No, I but. saw Pretty Woman. I did see Pretty Woman because that was back in the Hollywood video days where I would just kind of like go along the. The, the little genre shelves that we had, and I'd be like, yeah, 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 this yeah. one, because we got free movies. Right, so right. I know I've seen that. I, you know what? I think Princess Bride is a good movie, but I don't, I don't get the hype. There are some people that live and die for no, Princess Bride. No, I, I like I'm not it, one but... of them at all. So apparently, the number one, uh, according to Vanity Fair, the number one rom com of all time is When Harry Met Sally. Oh, I fucking hate that movie. I know. I, 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 I actually t- don't like that I movie. I have either. talked about my dislike have, of that movie. On the list we missed. Correct. And definitely check it out because it's pretty hilarious. I, you're you know spot what? on. We'll, we'll link that fucking episode. Because Fuck yeah. you will hear me trash talk when Harry met Sally. Yeah. I do think rom-coms are coming out of vogue these days. We see a lot less, a lot, a lot fewer of them yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, so there you go. Look at us talking love. Look at us. Ugh, Look at bunch us. Bunch of softies on Valentine's. Look at us. Look at you. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Jersey Ghouls. Mm, we're ghoulish. <laughs> we're ghoulish. We're gonna we're gonna eat some chocolate out of a heart shaped box and watch some more scary movies. We're slipping to something more comfortable. <laughs> Can I do it? Why do I sound so bad when I'm I do gonna, it? I'm gonna slip into something more comfortable. My fuzzy pajamas and bunny slippers. And eat way too much chocolate out of the box. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> that's, that's, listen, that's, we're sexy. This is why this podcast gets all the way sexy. <laughs> so, don't forget to check us out on social media. <laughs> Just search Jersey Ghouls. 
Hashtag ghouls just want to have fun. That's probably a thing. Oh on my OnlyFans. god, we shouldn't. That's no, cool. we shouldn't do anything no, with OnlyFans. <laughs> no, we are not doing anything with OnlyFans. No, I'm not saying we should, but ghouls just want to have fun on OnlyFans is probably it's probably a thing. It's probably a thing. So I don't want to know what it is, but social media search Jersey Ghouls. Your but favorite not only podcast. You'll be sorely disappointed. No, but go to your favorite podcasting app and search Jersey Ghouls. You can find do. us there. Yeah, yeah. You're also gonna find us on Geekscape.net. Sure. Uh, all right, love bugs. We will. See you on the next one. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.